Hello and welcome to Raising Learners, a conversation about supporting your child's learning at school and at home. Throughout this series, we'll discuss a range of questions. How to have a great relationship with your child's school and teacher, how to keep your child safe online, and navigating those sometimes challenging final years of high school. My name's Derek McCormick, and I'll be the host for today's episode. To begin with, on behalf of the team here, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where we meet as we record this conversation today. For me, where I am, this is to acknowledge the Orangery people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Today we're talking about online safety, and I'm joined by eSafety Commissioner Julie Inman Grant. Hi, Julie. Hi, Derek. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk. Let's get into it. The first question I have is around kind of a scene setter. So this year has not been quite what we expected. And as a result of social distancing, uh, schools facilitating remote learning, uh, many children are spending a lot more time online than they might have. Let's talk about some of the benefits, but also some of the risks of spending that much time online and how parents can promote online safety. That's a great question, and I really like the way you framed it, because we really do need to look at this as how do we harness the benefits of the internet and how do we minimize the risks? Because just think of where we would be, particularly now as Victoria is in this second phase of lockdown, without the internet being such an integrated part of our lives. It has become an essential utility. This is how we are learning, we're entertaining ourselves, we're connecting, uh, we're reducing social isolation that way, and now we're working remotely online. And I think a number of us would say that we've learned a lot of things along the way. We recently did a pulse survey of Australians around their experiences around COVID-19, and certainly 54% of Australians said they were using technology a lot more. Um, But we also saw corresponding increases in both risks and threats and stress. And a lot of these risks are, of course, what parents are experiencing too. And so it just makes sense that the more time is spent online, the more risks there are, more chance for children to be exposed to uh, uh, inappropriate content, conduct, or contact. And we know that before COVID, one in four young Australian teens was approached by a stranger online. And our cyber report investigators have certainly seen a lot of chatter uh, on the dark web and amongst pedophile networks on how to how to target children that are unsupervised at home. So this isn't to scare parents, it's to make them aware that if their children are engaging on any kind of platform, whether it's... Um, you know, it's Minecraft or Roblox, they have tremendous educational value. But if they have chat functions, one, you either need to be overseeing who they're talking to and what they're talking to them about, setting controls, parental controls for when you can't be there, but generally engaging more on their their online lives the way you do their everyday lives. And so we do recommend that parents do sit down with their kids and, and set limitations that through through a family safety plan. But I know that One of the things that I did with my own kids was rather than asking them at the dinner table what they learned at school or what they did in sport, I asked them what they were doing and seeing online. And I made sure that they, when they weren't online for educational purposes, they were in the family room, they were in open areas of the house so that we could keep tabs on what they were doing. 
So with all those benefits and, and well, the reality of digital being a utility now every day um, and probably into the future, you touched on some practical tips there. What, you know, is that parenting lens and what are the everyday things that tend to help? Let's, let's talk a bit more about those. So, so a, a promoting online safety from that parent perspective. Right. Well, I'm like anything, we need to make sure that we're having age-appropriate conversations with our kids. But the overall guidance would be the minute you're handing over a digital device to your child, you should be talking to them about the do's and the don'ts, that this is, it's not a right, it's a privilege, and respect and responsibility are key to that. Now, that might come when they're older, When we've looked at um, when parents are handing over the digital devices to children, about 40% are doing so at the age of two. And this is mostly for educational purposes. It's, you know, handing over an iPad so that kids can watch videos. But the difference between an iPad, which is connected to the internet, and a TV is that they're not passive entertainment devices. Uh, If they are connected, that does mean that our children can come across inappropriate content or contact if the right settings and supervision is not in place. And the guidance is be kind, be safe, make good decisions, make good judgments, and ask for help if you need it. So those, and and we've got to recognize that parents are the front line of defense if we're handing over digital devices to them before they're school aged. Now, as they evolve into the school years, you know, parents do still have a really important role to play. One thing that we recommend is that they sit down with their kids and fill out a family technology plan. But we also know from research and experience that when you actually sit down and you do the decision making with your kids, it's much more likely to stick when you set time limitations and, you know, whatever your family's decision is. So that's an important thing that can be done. Role modeling good behavior is something I, I think we, we all need to do. You know, you, you can't tell your child to get off Fortnite right, when you're scrolling through your Twitter feed at the dinner table, right? We actually received a bit of flack for this when we put out our under fives guide. We did say to parents of under fives that when you're taking a picture of them to post on social media, you indicate your intention, you ask them if it's okay, then you let them choose. If they say it's okay, you let them choose the photo. So by giving them that that license and that agency, you're teaching them consent, you're teaching them respect, and hopefully they will show the same courtesy when they're older. Um, but then you're, you, they may not understand what that means depending on their age. But before my twins went into kindergarten, I tried a little experiment in the minivan and I asked them what would they think about me taking a picture of them in their uniforms to post on Facebook so that their granny and granddad in the U.S. could see them. And one of my twins said, well, mommy, that's okay, but what if I decide I don't want my photo up there later? And I said, hey, that's a great question and you can always come to me and we can always take it down. So that started the conversation and these conversations should be had early and often. We need to think this is this is a digital playground uh, more so than ever uh, with COVID. Kids are engaging online, they're being entertained online. We need to think about this like going to the park. And if you were going to take a dark analogy, you know, you wouldn't let your child play alone in a sandbox with an adult male. You don't want 
them roaming the badlands of the internet on their own either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some really strong themes in there around getting the conversation going early and having role modeling as not just a way to depict responsible and safe use, but also as a way to have conversations. So you're, you're, you're implicitly uh, teaching through, through what you, the questions you ask and the, and, the, and the answers you give. Let's talk about this term which floats around, which is digital literacy. Um, digital literacy, what, what is that? And if we understand it, how can a parent build their own digital literacy, at, perhaps at the same time or before building their child's digital literacy. Right. And, you know, I think there are a lot of uh, corresponding terms. Uh, we could probably develop a glossary. We actually have a glossary at esafety.gov.au, but generally I would, digital literacy is the ability to find and to identify and to evaluate and use digital information. Media literacy is often used interchangeably with that terminology. Um, and I just say, one of the things that we talk about that's easy for parents and teachers to remember is the four R's of the digital age. So, of course, when we grew up, it was all about reading, writing, and arithmetic. And, of course, those are still fundamentals. But um, the four R's for the digital age or for building that digital literacy is around respect, responsibility, building digital resilience, because really it's not a matter of if your children will come across something con confronting or inappropriate online. It's really a matter of when. And we want to make sure that we build that resilience so they know how to respond or uh, when to get help. And then there's, of course, critical reasoning skills, which I think more and more is seen as a core component of digital literacy is when you're consuming this information, how do you assess the facts? What's true and what isn't? Are you learning to check your sources? You know, there was just a study that came out of um, McGill University this week that said that those that receive their uh, media information from social media sites are more likely to fall prey or to believe misinformation. So there are some fundamental things that we need to do so that we can make this rich repository of information a benefit to us and not something that leads us down the wrong path. Mm. I am um, on that note. I just yesterday said to my own teen, you know, remember that not social media platforms are not news sites. And it's one of the things I have to tell myself uh, when I'm when I'm getting caught up in, in the discourse. Right. There's so much information and it's coming at us so quickly. Being able to sit back, read, absorb, assess, use those critical reasoning skills probably aren't, but it probably isn't happening as, as um, comprehensively as we would want it to or it needs to in this day and age. So there's a, a road ahead in terms of the tech and, and sort of stop gaps developing along with the tech uh, that's causing the issues. But also there's this real strong connection between digital literacy or, or savviness and critical thinking. So I think that goes back to conversations starting early. Yep. And questioning everything really. And I guess what I would add is, you know, we've got tons of digital literacy material at esafety.gov.au. And we've just spent about 18 months um, rewriting and putting new content and reformatting the entire uh, website so that it's audience specific, it can be issue specific or audience specific. But what we're finding is those basic digital literacy modules are very useful 
for other populations. Um, those with low English literacy, for instance, you know, are finding the graphics and, and the way it's presented much, much easier to understand. I'd like to talk a bit more about what's in demand uh, for, for parents and what, what they're calling out for. One of the aspects is um, we have this notion around the various kinds of games and apps that are that are on the various platforms now. I know that uh, you know eSafety.gov.au has a number of resources. If we start with the the understanding apps and games area, and uh, maybe go from there into what are the opportunities, the positive sides of of learning more in, in that space for parents. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's great. We have um, I probably our most trafficked um, content is around the parent site and. We've got a range of tools uh, developed for parents, and you wouldn't be surprised to know that parents are really the hardest cohort to reach, yet they are really um, the linchpin in in terms of online safety in, in many respects. But parents are busy, um, some doing multiple jobs. You know, 95% of Australian parents that we've spoken to have said that online safety is one of the most challenging parenting issues that they have to deal with because we're talking about a lot of complexity and a lot of nuance and understanding your child and the technology that they're on and the range of risks that may attach to that. So probably one of our most popular sites and we're pretty much updating it daily is our e-safety guide. And that has an exhaustive list of the the most popular games, um, apps, um, social networking sites. It, it, it has a consistent format. Um, so we have logos up there with colors. Often parents will come behind their child's shoulder and they'll say, what are you doing? You know, the, the child might be evasive, but they'll know that it was an orange, you know, round circle. So they, they can actually search the e-safety guide according to, to the logo shape and color, but then they can read about, you know, what is it? Um, how is it used? What are the benefits? What are the risks? How do you set parental controls or privacy settings? How do you get specific information on the platform itself? So we link to all these sites. You know, we're engaging with the companies themselves. We want to understand when they're um, making improvements to make sure that the content is totally up to date. It's moving at breakneck speed. So I guess just continuing to update yourself and keep self-educated is the best thing we can do and ask questions. I guess the other thing I'd say about these conversations that we're having with kids, some of them are very awkward, particularly when you're talking about pornography online. So we do have age-appropriate conversation starters that parents can use with kids. We also have a lot of video content for young people themselves because that's the way they engage and get information. And um, we've got we've got one series called Rewrite Your Story, which is based on their Australian young actors that are acting out scenarios that have happened in real life, um, cyberbullying or image-based abuse cases that have come into our office. And so we weave the story through the video, but we don't give kids the answer answers. We've got questions, we've got educational materials, so they can start thinking about the scenario, um, think about the solutions, and then hopefully apply these learnings when they they come up with these situations themselves or and to apply this learning there. Mm, a sort of choose your own adventure approach to to that video material. So so there's a lot going on and as parents listening to this can be assured that you know there's information that's 
quickly digestible, keep asking questions, keep encouraging the conversations. And what's your take? What's your take on the opportunities and, and how digital uh, has brought a new dimension to family child relationships? Sure. No, I, I think there's lots of opportunities that we're not harnessing. And part of it is that fissure that that seemingly exists because kids are more technologically or they seem more technologically proficient. I know I watch what my kids do on Minecraft and Roblox and I'm like, how did they figure that out? But we've got to remember as parents, the challenges that they're going to be dealing with are behavioral issues and social interaction issues that are playing out online. And what we bring is the problem-solving experience, the maturity, the resilience that young people don't have. Um, And you'll be alarmed to know that only 50% of young people will talk to a trusted adult when something goes wrong online because they just assume that an adult can't help them because they don't know what's going on. So one, we need to disabuse children of that and we need to find ways to encourage help-seeking behavior. We've also developed some programs. Um, one of them is called the Yes Project, which is um, target. it's teacher-led, but it's targeting early teens. And it's really about being upstanders and being able to give young people the tools because a young person will often confide in their friends or their siblings when something's going wrong. And without putting too much pressure on this younger generation to be able to problem solve, but to know when to assess when, you know, they can help direct them and be an upstander um, or point them in the right direction and or when it needs to be escalated to an adult. So there's a lot to be learned. I think the other thing I'd say is leaving the the lines of conversation open and letting kids know that if something does go wrong online, you're there to help them, you're there to guide them through, that you're not going to punish them for something that happens online, you're not going to engage in device denial. Because I think, (laughs) you know, this day and age, taking away a child's phone, particularly a teenager's phone, is like taking away their left arm. So device denial is is a, a threat where a teen is concerned. They're going to be less likely to seek out help. Interesting, isn't it? Um, the the measures that we might have thought about in the past simply don't apply when uh, we have digital being essentially pervasive, uh, you know, potentially part of every experience or every day life. Uh, hour to hour. And it plays out differently in different households. I mean, even in, in in my own household, my husband and I have different parenting styles. I would say he takes a more strict disciplinarian approach. I often sort of say, well, yes, we should set the guidelines, but you, you know what? We can't expect a 14-year-old to totally self-regulate and at nine o'clock on the dot, drop the phone off in the room to be charged overnight, you know, if she's engaging with five of her friends simultaneously in a conversation, that we have to remind them that their time is up and give them a few minutes to wind up. You know, from his perspective, it's addiction. And and, and sometimes it does look that way. I think we're all, you know, attached or tethered to our phones and our technology to a certain degree. But it's how do you keep a firm line but also be flexible enough to empathize or understand with the the fact that children's social worlds do evolve around um, their group chats or their Instagram DMs. It's a totally different world. Mm. And and what I'm taking there is 
back to a shared understanding of what we agree are, are some guidelines and principles that we try to have as a family. And then it's a sort of dance where we're trying to remind ourselves what we agreed. You know, the few things that parents need to remember, um, educate yourself, have open conversations with your children, use parental controls, but know that we can't set and forget. And be engaged in your kids' online lives like you are their everyday lives. And to educate yourself, go to esafety.gov.au. Super. That's been a real rich conversation. And, and thank you for your time, Julie. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, why not subscribe? Tell your friends. For more tips and information about the topics we covered, visit raisingchildren.net.au. I also want to acknowledge the Department of Education and Training, Victoria, for their support in this series. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, take care.